Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to discuss, understand, maybe even sometimes challenge Latter-day Saint culture. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, ideas, and thoughts that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests. Do not in any way reflect the official doctrines or stances of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and welcome to this week's conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Chuckle Cake Bites podcast. I am your host, Ken Williams, and with me I have... Oh, am I supposed to say it now? Sure. <laughs> I'm Carissa Williams. This is my middle daughter, who is also <laughs> my second favorite. She's not my second favorite. She's my second favorite. And as soon as Allison hears that, she's going to misunderstand, and that's she's just going to have to live with that. <laughs> Allison, you're my first favorite, and Carissa is my second favorite. So, continuing what we did last week with um, our conversation with CJ, where we uh, we started talking about some of the chapters in my Chocolate Cake Phenomenon book, I'm going to talk about the second chapter, which I call The Real Language Gap. Now, most of this I've already talked about, so I'm not going to do a whole lot of repeating, but I, there were a couple things that I want to just cover, and then Chris is here, and she can share some of her experiences. We're actually going to talk about the second and the third chapters. But I start the chapter with the words, I love you. And I remember hearing a talk or I read a talk by Elder Packer in the early 70s. He would had just been uh, ordained an apostle a year before. And he gave a talk called The Spirit Beareth Record. And in it, he explains that poet's for millennia have tried to come up with a better way of saying, I love you. Something that's more meaningful, something that's more deep, something that's more clearly understood. And there is no other way. And he relates that to his testimony that he knows the Savior lives. There are no better words than I know he lives. So going going back to the chocolate cake experience, in this chapter, I talk about how language is woefully inadequate at explaining, at, at conveying experiences. And a couple of the experiences we talked about before, mm-hmm. if you were to, uh, to describe chocolate cake, you might use the words decadent or moist or delicious or sweet or even chocolatey. And in any case, you may be able to convey some level of meaning, but it's highly unlikely that you can really give somebody the experience of eating chocolate cake. In fact, we were talking to a mission. Was she ever your companion? Um, which one? Lindsay last night. Oh, no, she was never my companion, but we just surfed um, around each other quite a bit on our missions. So. so one of the things that she said was a common thing theme that I hear with people who don't like chocolate cake, who have tried this recipe that um, I shared a couple weeks ago is, well, I don't really like cake or I don't really like chocolate cake, but that cake I really like. And Lindsay was one of those, uh, <laughs> she said the same thing. I'm one of those people now too. <laughs> Thanks dad. <laughs> yeah, sorry <about> that. <laughs> so conveying an experience is 
really not possible using just words. And an example, some examples that I, that I use in this chapter are what does it, what does it feel like to skydive or what does it feel like to water ski or what does it feel like to experience the birth of your first child or to mourn the loss of a loved one? Words just don't, they don't do the experience justice. And I can't remember if I've talked about this yet, but, um, I know I did on a, on a digital fireside where, uh, a year ago I had the coronavirus and lost my taste and smell, which was a tremendous, uh, joy for my family who <laughs> gave me all sorts of new recipes that I should try. Dad, you should try peanut butter on your hard boiled egg. Yeah, that was delicious. I actually have no idea because I couldn't taste it. <laughs> But there are a couple of things that just don't taste right, even still a year later. And one of those things is cilantro. And I know cilantro is a great divider. There are some people who are have a genetic deficiency, and that's what I'm going to call it. I stand by that. <laughs> that cilantro tastes like soap. And uh, CJ, that we talked to last week, says it just tastes like grass. Well, for me, up until about eight months ago, cilantro was fresh and it was vibrant and it was just, it made, when I made pico de gallo or I made uh, certain dishes, it just made the food pop. It was just wonderful. And then all of a sudden it changed. It doesn't taste like that anymore. It tastes, and people have asked me, so what does it taste like? Well, I, I can't, I, there are no words. It tastes, the words that I can think of are, it tastes dark and it tastes muddy. It doesn't taste fresh and bright. It tastes dark and muddy. And it just is not, it's not a, a pleasant experience. So the words are there, but the experience is really tough to convey. So we talked about that with Lehi's vision and how he explained that when he saw the fruit, he knew, he knew intuitively maybe that the fruit was desirable to make one happy. But once he partook of it, and this is the Ken Williams theory, mm. once he partook of the fruit, his description changed and he explains that it gave him, it filled his soul with exceedingly great joy. And so the fruit represents the love of God. So my theory is Lehi felt it. He, he didn't just know, Oh, this is charity or this is the pure love of Christ or this is the love of God. Mm-hmm. He felt it. He felt loved. He felt the deep love of, uh, of his father in heaven. So that's really what the next chapter is, which is called God Loves His Children, chapter three in the book. And um, I, the same thing. I just, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell it. <laughs> and I start with, and some of this I've already told, so I'm just going to um, cover some of it because I know except for my mom, nobody's listened to the first episode, <laughs> which I think is when we talked about this. I listened to the first episode. <laughs> okay. So I have two downloads. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks, Krista. Uh, but every six months when we have general conference, it seems that there's somebody who says, or at least one general authority who says, Heavenly Father loves you. And they say it with conviction. They say it with passion. And it sounds so wonderful. And the way that I like to understand that is he loves you. He loves you as a person, as an individual. He loves you. And that's how I like to understand it, as opposed to this blanket. He loves all y'all. Which I think is true, but I think it's true too that he loves you as a person, as an individual, as you yourself. He knows you personally. 
Mm-hmm. Something so, that, sorry to interrupt, but something that I think is interesting also about language, kind of going back to that a little bit. In English, it's kind of a broad, like you can mean you individually or you can mean you as a whole. And in other languages, like in Spanish, for instance, there's those different conjugations of it where you can think of like there's the nos conjugation, which means kind of the you as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the personal to or usted. Right. And, and then in like, for instance, in German, there's different ways to say things like I love you. You can say I love you as a friend or I love you as, as like a family member or um, a spouse. Mm-hmm. And so there's different there's different meanings that come from different languages, and I think that's also interesting, too, the different meanings that we get as we learn things in different contexts. Right, and and that's a good point, that different languages, language is inadequate, but as you gain experience with different languages, and my mm-hmm. experience, I uh, learned Portuguese on my mission, I learned American Sign Language mm-hmm. after my mission, and each of those has added, uh, to some degree, some layers of of meaning to certain words or phrases mm-hmm. that just, um, there, th- as an example, there's a word in Portuguese called, uh, the word is saudade if you're from Brazil or saudade from Portugal. And there's not a good translation into English. It means kind of like a longing for home or missing, um, home or family or, or something like that. But there's not a really good, translation into English. Right. And that is true for every language that mm-hmm. there are things the same is true for American sign language. And there's the same is true for English. There are words in English that just don't have really good uh, translations into other languages. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that I think just proves the point that language just doesn't cut it. We just experience yeah. is so meaningful. So speaking of experiences, I'm just going to briefly uh, share, reshare the experience that I had, uh, my first year as I was, um, at pre, at girls camp, I was one of the priesthood holders there, just uh, available to uh, do the heavy lifting. If somebody needed a mm-hmm. uh, tent set up or, um, logs moved or something like that. But then I was there to help offer priesthood blessings if there was a need. And there was a, an opportunity where I was tied up with something else and I got called over. Brother Williams, this young woman needs a, a priesthood blessing. And she was not one of the most popular kids. And she was, her situation was just a little bit odd. And uh, I went in with the other brother. We chatted with her for a few minutes. I put my hands on her head, doing my absolute best to focus my mo- my mind on her and forget about the other things that I knew I had some level of responsibility for at the same time. And the experience that I felt was powerful. It was, uh, again, there are no words, but I felt, I felt how deeply her father in heaven loves her. And that was such an amazing blessing. And, um, so sometime after that, I was talking to a, I, I have a hard time saying a really good friend because she'll, <laughs> She's the type of person that, that, um, will, she's like a little sister and she's kind of a punk. Um, and Abby will probably never listen to this, so I can use her name. She's but, a punk. <laughs> she is a punk. 
but she was the young women's president in the ward and uh-huh. I had shared some of the experiences that I had. So she invited me to come to her young women's class and share some of the things that I had experienced myself and some of the things that I had, some of the perspectives that I'd gained just in that the, the young woman's theme at the time started with, we are daughters of a heavenly father who loves us and we love him. And as I had shared my experience with her, I told her that I wish these young women could understand how true that is. That when they say we're daughters of a heavenly father who loves us, that is absolutely true. It is more true than they can imagine. And so she asked me to share the experience and she invited the girls to, uh, to have that same, that same experience, which is where Carissa comes in. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead and pick it up from there. Yeah, so um, that experience, hearing about it, you know, um, it touched me and it made me want to to go and try this. Like, it doesn't seem that hard. You pray and and you ask God how, how he feels about you. And so that's what I did. And um, I mean, hearing these experiences, thought like, okay, well, I'll just pray and then I'll get this really good feeling, right? No. <laughs> Um, I prayed and felt nothing and I was worried maybe I said the prayer wrong or maybe I did something wrong and um, no I felt I felt nothing in that moment Um, but a few weeks later uh, I was invited to read a I think it was just a conference talk for a young women's lesson and just share a few of the thoughts that I had about it Um, it seemed like a simple thing so I said yeah of course I can do that and don't know who the talk was by I don't know who who spoke or when it was. Um, but as I read, I just felt how much, how much I meant to my Heavenly Father. That He knew, He knew who I was. He knows me. And it was, it's indescribable. Um, you can't, you can't reenact it without without that experience, you just need to ask, you just need to do it. And I remember, um, probably a couple months after that, I was saying the young woman's theme as you did, as you do, um, on Sunday. And I remember saying those words, um, that we are daughters of a heavenly father who loves us. And in that moment, I just felt it again. Just, it's almost like a, I want to say it's like a constant, like you, when I felt it, I knew it was a constant thing. Even though you don't feel it that strongly all the time, you just know that he loves you like that all the time. And like you said, there's not words that adequately describe the love that he has for us individually. And that knowledge that I have has led me through has led me through my life, has led me through the other experiences that I've had in my life, has led me through a mission, and has got me to the point where I am now, and I'm sure will lead me throughout throughout my life. So a couple things that I, I find interesting with that. Number one, my experience that I, I think I shared before was um, whatever my mindset was or wherever my head was at the moment, I just was feeling kind of um, forgotten or for, or or unnoticed. And so I remember kneeling down with the question, Heavenly Father, do you even know who I am? And for me, the 
feeling that I had was instant and it was powerful. And I know, I know he knows who I am. So that was the only experience that I had. I had this experience with this young woman at camp and I had this experience with me. And so I had just made the assumption that that's how it is for everybody. (laughs) So it was surprising. It was surprising, maybe not surprising, but it was, it was a new experience when I learned that Carissa didn't have the instant immediate answer. Mm -hmm. Now I think about a father in heaven who loves his children and I felt it for myself. I felt it for this young woman. And I have to assume he feels that for you and for everybody else. And so I don't know why some people wait to get that experience, but I have to believe that there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. So I remember that Sunday that it happened for you, mm-hmm. uh, Abby came up to me uh, and I can't talk about it um, without kind of reliving it. But she came up and she just, all she said was, um, ask Carissa. And so we came home from church and Carissa came up. I was, I was laying down ready for my sacred Sunday nap. It's a super (laughs) important tradition. Super important. (laughs) (laughs) And Carissa, she's just kind of talking about, she's just Carissa, just energetic and, and happy and, explaining, here's what we did and here's what we talked about. <laughs> and I said, so do you remember that with well, the question that I asked? No, I don't okay. remember. It was something like, so what did you learn in young women's today? And she just stopped talking. She got really quiet and tears started to well up and she just said, I know. And that's all she said. I know. Now as a father, I can't wish for anything greater than for my kids to know who they are. And again, because words are not adequate, it doesn't matter how many times I say it. It doesn't matter how many times my sweet wife says, you're loved. Or even the I love you that we um, try to say on a regular basis. But she felt it. She felt loved. She, she felt, and I'm, and I'm making assumptions based on what you've said and based on the experiences that I've had, but feeling that feeling how deeply he loves you is a powerful experience. That's given me a a tremendous amount of comfort for myself. I know the, the difference that it's made as an example, when I was young and I'm not young anymore, (laughs) but when I was young, um, I just, I struggled with a lot of things. I've struggled with, with feeling, uh, that I was a valued member of my quorum or of my ward or, you know, because I, I wasn't uh, as a missionary, I didn't have the, uh, some of the callings and assignments that, that might suggest that I had talents or skills or abilities or things like that. And so it was easy for me not have not having had that experience, understanding who I am to Heavenly Father, to buy into the idea that, well, because I wasn't this calling or because I didn't have that assignment, that I wasn't good enough. And knowing knowing who I am just, for me, changed so much. And again, I made the assumption that with Carissa, when she left on her mission, that I knew she could deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. 
and because she knows who she is. And it didn't matter if she had companions that were tough or if she had um, people that she was teaching that struggled, but she knew who she was. Mm-hmm. So did that, did that make any difference in how you kind of approached your mission or how you approached um, your really anything? Oh, I'm sure it did. Um, I think it's one of the reasons that I went out on a mission because that for me is my fundamental truth. That is something that I will always know. And so it's something that I want to share with others, just like how Lehi, when he partook of the fruit, what he immediately turned to was, was his family and he wanted to share that with them. And for me that, especially as I was preparing for my mission, I remember talking to my bishop and him asking me like to de- to describe what I felt why I wanted to to serve a mission and and I turned to that scripture and I was I said I feel like Lehi I feel like Lehi I feel like I have this this knowledge this something so sweet and so desirable that I have that I want to share with others and and the best way to share it with with my family the best way to share it with um with my friends, the best way to share it with people I don't even know right now is for me to serve a mission. And and so it was such a sweet experience to be able to go into... I was at Temple Square, and so I'd meet people from all over the world on a daily basis and talk to them and just share with them about the gospel, share with them about the church, share with them about temples, and to be able to share just such sweet truths with them every day about Jesus Christ, about temples, about families, and just about the love that God has for them was such an amazing experience for me. Whether or not they were of our faith or not, um, if they were of any faith or of no faith, just being able to connect with people on the basis of that they are someone special in the world, that they are loved by someone. And so that was something that I think was one of the things that I loved about my mission was being able to testify of that to people every day, all the time. So I think as I think, as I think back about why, why am I even doing doing this podcast? Little silly, little chocolate cake bites, (laughs) um, talking about my little game that I play (laughs) sharing chocolate cake. (laughs) And we're going to get into some other things beyond that. But I Mm -hmm. think it's the same kind of thing that Allison really was one of the drivers that dad, you need to, to start a podcast. And I hope I'm talking about some of the things that are actually going to make a difference for people. Mm-hmm. But, um, and there's a, there's a chance that if you're listening, you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if so, welcome. And if not, then that's okay too. And so I will apologize now for some of the, the terminology that I've used and I've been uh, using the uh, vocabulary of somebody who's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I'm happy to um, to explain some of that better as we go on. But regardless. Irregardless? Uh, irregardless, which is one of my favorite words. It's a wonderful <laughs> word. There, there may, may be an episode in there about irregardless. <laughs> <laughs> irregardless of your faith, of your belief. I want you to know, and I'll just step out on a limb and say, Carissa will agree, and she wants you to know, mm-hmm. that you have a Father in Heaven who loves you. Mm-hmm. 
He loves you so deeply that I think we can't understand it. I think we just can't comprehend how rich and how full and how complete his love is for us. The stupid things that I do on a daily basis <laughs> is, is so I can easy for to those. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I don't need any, any more help with that. <laughs> but that stuff, just like I do with my kids, I can easily ignore or forget some of the dumb mistakes that my kids make. And it doesn't make them a bad person. It just makes them a human person. And I think mm-hmm. that's true for all of us. But he loves you so much. And I know I've made the uh, invitation before. I'm going to say it again. If you have not discovered how your Father in Heaven feels about you, please do. Please ask. And then be patient as you wait for the answer. Because it will come. I imagine a Father in Heaven who just longs for his children to discover who he can be for them in their lives. So that's about all I have to say about this. You, What do you want to add? No, I agree. I, I think about how much um, Heavenly Father has to offer us every day, all the time. And there's so many scriptures that just say, asking you shall receive, knock and it shall be opened unto you, or any version of that. Um, and it's found everywhere. He wants us to know that He's there for us. He wants us to talk to Him. He wants us to to know how He feels about us or to know that we are His children, that He is there for us. If we have questions about anything, we can ask Him because He He does answer prayers. He answers prayers in so many different ways that sometimes that's, I think, the reason why we don't necessarily know they've been answered. I remember being little and asking for silly little things. And he's answered those prayers too. Um, and he just, I, I just think he just wants us to know that he's there for us in so many different ways. And we just have to reach out to him. Yeah. I think he wants, I think he wants to answer Yeah, and he will answer in his time. And it will be, one of the sweetest experiences you've had mm-hmm. when you get that answer. So thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to chocolate cake bites. Please like share, subscribe and give us a five-star rating to review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas and you can reach out to me at Ken at chocolate And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs>